Welcome to the Tobacco Cessation Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Julia. In the United States, there are 2.6 million American Indians and Alaska Natives. According to CDC, this population has the highest prevalence of cigarette smoking of any racial or ethnic population in our country. Native American tribes use tobacco for medicinal and ceremonial purposes. However, this population has also been heavily targeted by the tobacco industry and, as a result, has high rates of commercial tobacco use. I was lucky to speak with Chris Tallbear, Kristen Kirchenbauer, and Aaron Williams, who are all located in the state of Oklahoma, on what they're doing to help members of tribes quit commercial tobacco. I'm happy to share that conversation we had now. I'm Aaron Williams. I'm the Southern Plains Tribal Health Board Tobacco Program Coordinator. Uh, I'm a Southern Cheyenne Tribal member. My name is Chris Talbear, and I'm the grant lead for the Good Health and Wellness in Indian Country. Uh, I'm also a full-blood Southern Cheyenne, and uh, I just oversee the Good Health and Wellness. I work with Aaron on this on this project. I'm Kristen Kirchenbauer. I am the Tobacco Use Prevention Manager at the Oklahoma State Department of Health. I oversee statewide tobacco control programming, and I also have a key role in statewide tobacco cessation services for all Oklahomans. Can you give us a little bit of background about tobacco use in the American Indian population? Yeah, certainly. Uh, Tobacco uh, is one of Native Americans' oldest medicines, uh, along with sweetgrass, cedar, and sage. Uh, each tribe has their own uh, stories on how they receive, originally received tobacco. Uh, they have different creation stories, and each tribe actually has their own forms of tobacco. Not all forms of tobacco are the same. Uh, some tribes, uh, their tobacco doesn't even contain any of the, what we would call a tobacco plant. They use you know different ingredients and in different ways. Uh, and in addition, not all tribes have uh, a tobacco tradition. Um, Alaska Natives, they don't really have any uh, any tobacco traditions up that way. Uh, whereas even in some in uh, the lower 48, uh, we uh, not all tribes here have tobacco traditions, and some of the traditions have been lost, and some of the tribes don't know uh, don't know their traditions. But you know, in some in in some ways, uh, that's, they've lost their traditions. In a lot of ways, that's due to the uh, uh, Indian Religious Act, uh, the, the American Indian Religious Act, and it's shown a resurgence in the past thirty or uh, thirty or forty years since the seventies. Is there anything else to add, kind of about some of the background around tobacco use? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the differences is, uh, you know, it's been the, the traditional tobacco has been making a comeback, uh, even though non-traditional tobacco has been kind of pushed upon Native Americans uh, in lieu of having traditional tobacco. Just, you know, one of the things that that it was mentioned to me the other day is, um, you know, back in the 1860s, whenever the Plains Wars were going on those tribes back then started praying about these seven generations down, you know, their belief that 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 generation, the seventh generation, would come back and kind of retake 
and bring back their traditions and customs. And we're living in that seventh generation from what I was told. And there's starting to become more awareness and more understanding about some of these old traditions and, and ceremonies that we had and, you know, the role that they can play in our culture today. And, you know, the younger people are starting to pick up those traditions and relearn them and bring them back. So they're being taught these traditional stories about how tobacco came to their people and how it can be used for medicine and for healing and for prayer. And, you know, it's, it's the awareness of, of ceremonial tobacco is, you know, strongly contending with the use of commercial tobacco at this point. So that brings up a really great and interesting question. You've talked about ceremonial and commercial tobacco. Can you explain a little bit about the difference between the two different types? Sure. Uh, you know, of course, most people understand and know that commercial tobacco has, you know, hundreds of uh, man-made chemicals added to it. And, you know, it's just, it's not good for you. <laughs> but with traditional tobacco, uh, you know, organically grown, everything in there, it's, it doesn't have the chemicals or the pesticides in it so it's you know pretty clean pretty pure and you know just the awareness and and you know whenever you that pipe that we use whenever we pray or we have ceremonies you know when you're putting your tobacco into that you know you're putting your thoughts and your prayers and you're asking for good things for yourself and your people and, you know, if you're putting commercial tobacco into that pipe and it's got those chemicals that cause cancer, you know, it's kind of a self-defeating thing. So what's being done now is some of our traditional people are putting the message out there to the younger people to understand that, you know, it does matter what goes in that pipe. So we try to teach our younger people how to make that tobacco and what goes in it and why we go about it in that way. because. You know, you want good things to come out of your prayers and, you know, you're putting that out there. You're bringing that smoke into your body, into your lungs, and you're praying. So you want that to be as close to nature and to what its original intent was. So that's why, you know, we, we stress that importance. So there's becoming more awareness at, at conferences and workshops and within tribes about you know, how they go about it and how they, how they, you know, procure it. Great. So that's, that's what I understand about it. Thank you. So we know that the prevalence of commercial tobacco use is high in the American Indian population. Is there a reason for this? So currently in Oklahoma, as of 2017, the prevalence was highest among American Indians or Alaska Natives. In Oklahoma, they have the highest rate compared to any other racial group. So right now, it's 30%, and among whites, the prevalence is 19.5%. American Indians typically tend to have higher use rates, and among the, the racial groups, they have the highest. A lot of this has to do with the tobacco industries tactics that they've used for a long time. We know that the tobacco industry focuses on specific populations, with American Indians being one of those populations. We've seen in their own industry documents who they target, so I think the impact is still being felt among American Indians and Alaskan Natives. 
we know that sometimes resources as well or tobacco control efforts might not impact specific populations. And that's really important to note as well. So for currently in Oklahoma, we don't have comprehensive clean indoor air laws. And I'm not speaking about sovereign nations. I'm, I'm speaking about, um, you know, state locations and state laws. And so we have a lot of protective factors that aren't in place for Oklahomans in general, and American Indians also are impacted by our lack of comprehensive clean indoor air laws at the state level. So I think there's multiple levels that impact Oklahomans in general, and then also impact, impact American Indians and Alaska Natives at a greater rate as well because of some of the tobacco industry tactics. That's really interesting. Thanks. And Chris, I think you had mentioned that there's something that you had to add as well. Yeah, one of the issues that kind of contributes to such a high tobacco use rate for uh, American Indians is, you know, socially, you know, whenever we gather, you know, that especially for the men, that that exchange of tobacco between people, maybe as a kind of Indian time you might call it, you know, you sit there and you have a smoke with one another and you kind of catch up on what's going on or, you know, you have some 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 business to discuss. So. You know, that's kind of that time. So that exchange of tobacco, whether it's, you know, in most cases it's going to be commercial or cigarettes, uh, that's when that's used and exchanged and, you know, that helps contribute. It, it causes a lot of the high prevalence for uh, American Indians. So what are some of the unique issues that we should be taking into account when trying to help American Indians quit commercial tobacco use? I think Oklahoma has tried to do has tried to do a really good job of making sure we include certain key elements whenever we're working on statewide tobacco initiatives, but also whenever we work with our state quit line. Um, some of the key elements that we really focus on is collaboration. We know the importance of working with local tribal experts, such as Chris and Aaron at the Southern Plains, and also the individual tribal nations. And so anytime we've done any type of work, we always try to collaborate, form relationships, to ensure that the helpline services or whatever the messaging might be meets the needs of American Indians, the American Indian population. We also have focused on targeted strategies, and so what I mean by that is that we really look at health systems and where American Indians go to get services. You know, we know that a lot of the tribal nation members go to their health systems, for instance, you know, the Choctaw, Cherokee, Chickasaw, but we also have IHS or Indian Health Services facilities. And so making sure that we work in collaboration with those health systems to make health systems changes to get evidence-based strategies implemented into the services via the EMR or if they aren't using an electronic medical record or an EMR, that we put it into the, the flow and help them do that as well if they need that assistance. We also use data to guide the decisions, so we make sure that we sometimes, for example, will oversample registrants or American Indian Alaska Natives that register for services will oversample on satisfaction surveys. We'll also make sure that if new messaging goes out for communication that we be sure to reach out and get feedback. So we always use the data. And then we also, what makes it helpful for us is that we make sure that it's sustainable. So we make sure we have funds and additionally, and, and putting specific funds for specific populations, for example, American Indians, they have high use rates. So we want to make sure that we resource allocation goes to specific uh, 
initiatives that would be of help to specific populations, including American Indians. And I think the last thing that we've really focused on, and, and I'll let Aaron and Chris speak to this, but focused training is really important. And so we really rely heavily on partners to provide focused training, not only for inside, inside the state, for a multiple variety of things that we work on, but also for the quitline vendors. And so I'll turn it over to, to Aaron and Chris and let them kind of talk about um, some of the roles they've played in that. Yeah, thank you, Kristen. Uh, certainly. Uh, some of that specialized training, uh, we worked with the Oklahoma Tobacco Helpline and uh, Clearway of Minnesota. They started a pilot program uh, in which they specially trained quit, their quit coaches for uh, culturally specific for American Indians training for them to uh, identify Native American callers and give them specific interventions are focused on Native Americans through the difference between like uh, cultural and ceremonial tobacco, and it's, it's really aimed at is you know making sure Native Americans get that specialized uh, attention, that special uh, that attention. Another another area in which we specialize our uh, trainings is through uh, basic tobacco intervention skills. Uh, we it's a training. Uh, for clinicians and community health representatives and people that are out in the community that are in touch with uh, the uh, tribal communities on a daily basis for them to deliver specialized interventions that focus on the you know tribal aspects and the differences you know the differences between commercial and ceremonial tobacco because not you know not everybody uh, is familiar with that or knows how to approach the subject. Um, yeah. I think I think sometimes we just kind of take advantage, take, take for granted that others understand the difference, but that's not always the case. So we we kind of have to take pause and you know take that time and explain to two people you know that there is a difference and you know it does matter a lot. Yeah, and I appreciate you taking the time to explain it to me earlier today and then to participate in the podcast to make sure that we can explain it to the broader community too. Kristen, I know Oklahoma is doing a lot to help this population quit commercial tobacco use. What are you doing and what can other states mimic that you're doing and copy you guys um, to help the population of Native Americans quit commercial tobacco use? So as I said before, I think those key elements are important, but we also allocate funds. And so we use our funds to fund five tribal nations to work with the population specifically. It's, it does a lot, uh, it does, does more benefit whenever there's someone that is actually impacted and who actually works with the populations to, to go out and implement tobacco control efforts and strategies. So. We utilize our money. We try to get as much money as we can out the door to communities and organizations or tribal nations to really focus their efforts uh, among the populations and, that they serve. And so I think we've done a really good job of that, is making sure we push out the funds, but also partnering with Southern Plains and uh, other organizations so we can have a coordinated, comprehensive approach. It's been really helpful and beneficial as we try to help get the rates down um, among Oklahoma American Indians. And I think um, 
you know, uh, Chris and Marin probably do similar work. I know that they are also funded and, and work with communities. So I'll, I'll let them also answer and highlight what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We also fund a number of a number of tribes. Our our grants are a little bit smaller, but it allows us to uh, affect you know more or more tribes that way. Uh, you know, and it's, and, it's, and it's partnerships. From what I've seen from across the country, is like Oklahoma is kind of special with the amount of the partnerships we have with the Oklahoma State Department of Health uh, and. Uh, T-set, you don't find that everywhere across the country. Like uh, a lot of a lot of other places have difficulty connecting uh, their agencies together, but here we seem to have a spirit of uh, community, and uh, we're all in this together, working on this together. One of the other things that we do besides offer the training, uh, you know, we fund uh, these tribes to do community uh, health assessments. And to that, they can identify the areas they want to work in. And if they do decide to work on uh, tackle uh, tobacco, they've, they give, they've got free range on any wage way they want to do that. Uh, a lot of the, it gives us a lot of variety in the state on what they're working on. Some of the tribes offer cessation programs. Uh, other tribes will uh, do uh, smoke-free signs in their native language. Uh, talk, they'll, they'll do fun talking circles. Uh, uh, where they'll work, they, uh, work on preventative measures uh, with the youth. Uh, you know, through different organizations like what was the, 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 the yeah. talking circle we did? Yeah, the youth, youth unity, unity, unity. Yeah. Um, youth council groups that tribes are coming up with, yeah. and just working with teens on vaping, educating them about what's going on with it and the dangers of. You know, teenage teenage vaping. Yeah, yeah. And another uh, another organization that's also important that we also partner with and work closely with is the Indian Health Service. The area office has been instrumental in us getting started with the the, the, the basic tobacco intervention skills. Uh, the the area office offers the same training uh, two to three times a year, and it's all free. And it's open to uh, any of the tribal uh, tribes or tribal-serving organizations. So that's some of the things we were doing here in the state. Uh, and yeah, we also and we and because of the IHS, we also provide it for free as well. And we've got several trainings coming up to uh, get more people trained in uh, basic tobacco intervention skills. That's a quite impressive list, Chris. Do you have anything else to add, or did Aaron cover it for you? Um, no, I think, uh, you know, Aaron's done really well when he stepped into this role. He's picked it up and he's run, ran with it. And, you know, his understanding of social media, that's been really, really good. The fact that he's tapped into the, that technology and it's helped to get the messaging out there to rural communities, rural tribal communities. And, you know, there's been interactive responses you know, Facebook, um, we've had questions about, you know, different messaging, so we're happy to respond, you know, and kind of keep that education positive. So you guys have done a lot in Oklahoma to help Native Americans quit commercial tobacco use. If you were talking to another leader in or another state that wants to work on this issue, 
what advice would you give them? Well, here in Oklahoma, we're, we're fortunate. We've got, you know, 39 tribes. Uh, historically, there were 88 tribes that were relocated to Oklahoma. And, you know, now we're down to 39. So as of yet, we, we still have a lot of diversity. We have tribes from the east, west, north, um, you know, from the di different directions that have come here. And, you know, a lot of them, we get along intertribally. We get along. We share. We exchange. We have, you know, intermarriages. We have a lot of relationships with one another. And one of the other important relationships we have is with the state and their various agencies that address commercial tobacco use. And it's just fortunate that they do reach out to organizations like ours or to tribes for better and greater cultural understanding or knowledge regarding tobacco. Um, you know, we've just, we've been blessed with the fact that we've got people like Kristen and we've got people over at TSET, the State Health Department, um, you know, the Oklahoma Tobacco Research Center. They've got great people on staff that are willing to take the time to learn and understand and, you know, just help, help us with you know, sorting through those issues. We've got things that come at us, you know, um, that are new that, you know, we're not sure how to address, like the use of e-cigarettes uh, with our teens, with, with our youth. Um, you know, there's, there's things that are being discovered or uh, researched, you know, every week that come out that influence how we approach it with our education. So, um, our advice to other states would be, you know, just just be patient, partner, ask questions, and just be respectful, you know, and the same will be granted in return. That's that's kind of my advice. And like I said, we've got good people like Kristen that can, you know, provide some uh, some thoughts from the state side on maybe how they've engaged with tribes as well. I think the fact that I could, I've, I've called on Aaron and Chris multiple times and when we got this request I've had the ability and option to call someone that can speak from an actual the perspective I don't always have the perspective I'm always learning but it's always good to contact someone who is an expert and who knows how to work with American Indians and, and, and actually are American Indians and so I would just second what what Chris said we have it, it's nice to have someone to get the information from. So if I don't know an answer, if I don't know what I'm saying is appropriate or, or correct, I can always have that ability to reach out to them. So I would second what he said as well. And I think an additional thing to add on to that is from a state perspective, utilize your funds to, if you have the opportunity, to prioritize populations that have been you know, affected or disproportionately affected by tobacco dependence. For us, American Indians, we have, we already talked about the rates, but get the funds if you can and push it out to the communities and, and let them do what works for their populations. So what might work for a Chickasaw Nation might not work for a Choctaw Nation, for example. And so I think that's been the biggest lesson for me is, like Chris said, partnerships and being willing to be open to learn and being respectful, but also making sure you utilize your funds in a... Um, meaningful way and letting those community members actually go out and do the work uh, it's, it's going to be a lot more successful and a lot more buy-in whenever you have 
people who are experts in the field doing the work. Well, Chris and Aaron and Kristen, it's been wonderful talking with you this afternoon. Um, I just wanted to ask if there's anything else you want to say about working with the Native American population to quit commercial tobacco use. Um, you know, with that tribal state relationship and addressing uh, commercial tobacco use, we're very fortunate to have the partners that we do at the state and local level, um, you know, kind of navigating these, you know, these waters, it's, it's shown that we need to do a lot of research and a lot of, a lot of educating, not only others, but ourselves about this, this process. It's, it's more than just tobacco use, you know, there's political and social issues that, that are at stake. And, you know, one of the things I've had to do is educate myself on the state and tribal tobacco compacts. Um, you know, that compact that came about about a year ago or two, it had an effect on tribes and their collection of revenues that, you know, the taxes that they collect on that is used to fund social programs and uh, tobacco programs, tobacco cessation programs as well, but we also do pay taxes to the state of Oklahoma. Um, personally, tribally, casinos contribute to the overall account economy of the state, and it's just important that, you know, we understand we're all on the same page, we're all kind of walking this together. We want better health, health outcomes for our children, our grandchildren, you know, those that aren't even here yet, we want to try to make it a better place for them. So, you know, we've been fortunate, like I said, to have really great partnerships with Kristen, with TSET, with the state agencies and the universities to, to find solutions for these because they're not easy. And, you know, we just, we look forward to these continued relationships and, you know, making a change for the better. That's all. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today for the American Lung Association's Tobacco Cessation Podcast. Hope you'll join us next time. Have a great day. Thank you.